Thanks for joining us here today on Worldview with Mike Lester. Each episode, we have a conversation with ministry leaders or other committed Christians with one simple goal in mind, to learn how to develop a biblical worldview. That way we can be faithful believers at the intersection of theology and life. I invite you to stay connected with us at jmichaellester.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you find today's episode helpful, please consider sharing it with your friends or even giving us a review. We believe it's important for everyone to know how to have a biblical worldview and to live life correctly where theology and life intersect. And so with that in mind, let's dive into today's topic. Well, welcome back to another episode here of Worldview with J. Michael Lester. I'm excited to have you join us today. Today's a little bit of a different uh, type of an emphasis than what I've previously released in our previous six episodes as we're just getting started. I've had interviews and I've tried to ask questions and have feedback and try to discuss some topics that are helpful as we shape a worldview. Today, I just want to be very, very practical and sort of talk about how do we shape a worldview that that covers so many different areas. And so before we get too far along in podcast after podcast after podcast, I want to make sure there's a, a definite episode that is delegated and regulated and given to nothing else but the importance of how to shape a worldview. Everybody has one. I have a worldview. You have a worldview. Simplistically, we can say those worldviews are either theistic or atheistic. But even at that, there are a lot of gray areas that are on a smorgasbord. How do we deal with issues where the Bible may not clearly give directives? How do we think biblically and think principled and not pragmatically? At the core, and I mean at the very core, worldviews answer four questions. Where do we come from? <laughs> Where, who are we? And, and that question of who are we, why are we, is also part of it. What, what's going wrong with the world? And what's the solution? Our worldview answers those four questions. Where do we come from? And the answer to that puts something or someone in the area of authority. Trustworthy. Who are we? Our answer to that has a lot of ethical implications to assisted suicide, to abortion. Uh, to so many other different types of, you know, what do you do with someone who is uh, maybe born with developmental issues? What do you do with someone uh, who is maybe old or older and feels like they are not contributing to life? What does the Bible say about that? Well, our worldview helps us to process some of that information. What's going wrong with the world? I'm sure there's people somewhere who say the world's getting better and better, but biblically we know that's not the case. And our solution, so many many different things fill that spot. Government, friends, riches. I just had more money. I just had more time. If I just had more knowledge, 
and on and on it goes. And so worldview, it affects so many different things. So how do we build how do we build a worldview that's aligned with scripture? And I just want to take a couple of extra minutes today and talk about constructing a worldview that is coherent, not a smorgasbord of just different, I believe this and I believe this, and sometimes our beliefs are internally consistent because we're we're not thinking through them rationally. How do we form a, co- a consistent, coherent worldview that is in alignment to Scripture? It's a great question. Let me give you a few thoughts. I'd say, first of all, it begins with a confession from us as people that there is a God in heaven who is the creator of everything. If you're a Christian, that should be a simple statement to affirm. If you're listening today and uh, you would not consider yourself a Christian, maybe you'd consider yourself a moral person, or maybe you would consider yourself something other label, that statement might be a little difficult. But some implications flow from that confession. When I say that there is a God in heaven that creates everything, what that implies, implicitly embedded into that statement, is that this God who created is a personal God. Because biblically, with his own hand, he formed Adam, and he made Eve. It was a personal touch. He didn't just speak mankind into existence like he did the lights and the moon and the animals. There was no, and let there be man, and it was so, and it was good. It was a personal creation. Again, the implication from this statement is that this personal God is also a God of order. That's great comfort when it seems like everything is running into disorder and chaos. To know that there is a God who is above all of that, working all things together for good to them that love him great comfort in that statement. Also, when you look at that week of creation and you see that he's the God who created everything, you have to affirm that he's a holy God because everything he created, he said, and it was good. And it was good. And the standard of that goodness was that it emanated from him. It came from him. It was something he did. It was perfect. It had all the attributes of righteousness and holiness. It was perfect. It was good. It was holy, which is the way it should be, right? And this holy, personal God of order is also a God of purpose. Because at the moment of creation, he gave to man a great gift. With that great gift came a great risk. He gave us the freedom of choice. That ability to eat the fruit or not eat the fruit. And of course, with that choice came great risk. But God, in his all wisdom and all knowing and all providence, knew what we would choose. And he already had a plan in place for the solution, didn't he? So I think about these. If I think about the fact that God is a God in heaven who is the creator of everything, I have to also come to this conclusion that he alone is the arbitrator, the the standard for truth. 
because there was nothing before him and there'll be nothing after him. He's the source of truth and thus truth can be absolute. And his personal, purposeful, holy, ordered God who gave us a choice, created us in his image. Implications from that are great as well. I'll come to that in a minute. But the idea of being created in his image at the very minimum implies that every single person we meet is worthy of respect, compassion, dignity, value, significance. This means people that would consider my country its mortal enemy. They're created in the image of God. While we have a right to defend our nation, when it comes to the individuals, we should never see them differently than God sees them. It's a worldview issue, isn't it? And the idea that God is a God who's created us in his very image. We are his image bearers. We represent him. We resemble him. We reflect him. Some powerful truths embedded into that statement. If I'm going to have a worldview... So watch, watch, watch how this works. When I say that there's a personal God in heaven who created all things, including mankind in his image, that Imago Dei helps me wrestle with those end-of-life issues. It helps me wrestle with those beginning-of-life issues. It helps me wrestle with people that are less fortunate than I am and how to view them correctly, how God views them. This is a worldview issue, and it's rooted right in the pages of Genesis chapter number one. So, again, I'm not going to belabor it. A lot of this gets hashed out over the next several months as we go episode by episode. But for at least a starter, as we sort of lay out framework for building a worldview, it begins with a confession that there's a God in heaven who's the creator of everything that is. It's a powerful thought. Let me give you a second thought. There's a recognition that this personal creative God has spoken authoritatively to us in the scriptures. Now, I, I'm a Baptist. I realize not everyone who listens to this podcast may be a, a Baptist. I'm a Baptist for many reasons, but I, I love I love when we go through the acrostic, if you will, of what is a Baptist. I love the fact that foundational to being a Baptist is that the Bible is the final authority for all matters of faith and practice. We view it as authoritatively, final authoritative. It's not on an authoritative level equal with anything else. It is the very word of God. Now, just because someone has a Bible tucked under their arm or reads a psalm before they go to bed at night doesn't necessarily mean that they have a biblical worldview. If you've watched people and observed even our modern debates, you understand that to be true. To form a worldview that is consistent and coherently Christian and biblical then that authoritative word has to be rightly divided. 
sometimes we're guilty of cherry-picking or proof-texting, pulling a verse here and stringing it with a verse there, and never really paying attention to context. Have you ever noticed that if a an enemy of Christianity pulls a verse out of context from our scriptures and manipulates it to paint a poor view of God, we jump up in arms and say that, no, 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 you have to take that verse in this context, and rightly so. But have you noticed sometimes we're silent when someone we trust does the same thing and we just give them the benefit of the doubt? We need to make sure that when we say the Bible is our final authority, that we're warning to do our best to rightly divide it. Because within the scriptures, we find the answer for eternal life. In the scripture, we find a solution for the sometimes the hopeless situations we find ourselves in. We find that there is hope, but only in Christ. We find the solution for our problems. We find the answer for eternal life. We find prophetic truth that gives us the anchor for our hope that Jesus is coming again. Worldview issues starts with a belief that there's a God in heaven, a personal God in heaven, who created all things, including man in his image. And it continues by recognizing that this personal creative God who made us in his image has left us a source of authority in the word of God. I'll stop with that, and I just want to apply those two statements. If we could just nail those down into the way we think, thinking differently. Notice how those two simple statements answer the four questions posed by those in search of a worldview. Where did I come from? From a biblical Christian worldview, I've been, I've been placed here by Almighty God himself. He has created us in his image. He has formed us. He knew us in the womb. He knows us by name. And he has a plan for our life. And the thoughts he thinks toward us are good and not evil. Where did I come from? God did this. Who am I? I'm a human being. Made just a little lower than the angels. Loved by God. Redeemed by God. Given stewardship, responsibilities over this planet. I'm not an animal. I'm a person. Made in the image of God. My species, if you will, hasn't evolved billions and billions of years. God started it. In the moment of creation. By placing man on this earth as his steward. See the implications that flow from that? If God did that, I'm accountable to him. I am the crowning work of his creation. And God has made me a steward in his creation. And all of creation, the rest of it out there, God has given to us to serve us to meet our needs. Yeah. Biblical worldview has some answers, doesn't it? There's a third question we asked at the beginning. What's going wrong with the world? Now, I know some people think it's getting better and better, but if we just look around for a minute, and just by simple metrics, we're a long ways away from peace. 
we're a long ways from even having civil conversations, it seems like. When we look at crime rates, abortion rates, when we look at uh, just uh, premarital sex rates, when we look at single family rates, you name the metric. When we look at some of those metrics that get into the heart, not the material wealth, we might be growing in some of those areas. But if you look at just the, the metrics of how we relate to one another, person to person, those don't always look encouraging. What's the problem then? What's going wrong? What's well, not lack of education? It's not lack of knowledge. It's not lack of willpower or work ethic. We don't need more programs. We know biblically what the problem is. It's sin. And that sin has alienated us from the very one who created us. And when we lose contact with the source of our purpose, then what's going to happen? Something has to fill the place of God if we're not going to recognize him. And so man elevates himself to his own God. What happens then? Well, if I'm my God and you're your God and everybody else is doing their own God thing, then all of a sudden everybody just does that which is right in their own eyes. And truth becomes relative. Just do you. This is my truth. Again, this is a worldview issue. That type of thinking never ends well. One final question. What's the solution to this problem? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The one who became man and died for all of our sin and is returning again to take believers to heaven. Let me wrap this up. Not a long episode today, but just some... I, I want to get us thinking in the right direction. Let me give you some implications that just sort of flow from these simple two anchor points for forming a worldview, that there's a God in heaven, a personal God in heaven, who created all things, including man in his image. And number two, this personal creative God has given us an authoritative scripture. What flows from that? Not just the answering to those four worldview questions. What flows from that? Well, when I start to think in alignment with Scripture, I have a framework for ethical thinking. What I deem as to be ethical and fair is no longer based on my observations, which is relative and skewed. But now they're based in God's revelation of himself to mankind. And I have a source, I have a standard to measure good against. I have a standard to measure evil against. Number two, if I recognize that there is a God in heaven who has given me authoritative scripture and that he himself is the answer to the world's problems and he's coming back to, to take care of it, that allows me to make sense of this world, to give meaning to what I see happening. I'm not shocked when I see it getting worse and worse because Paul said that it would 2,000 years ago. In the last days, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So I'm not surprised. 
my worldview informs me of that event. What else I come to the conclusion of that's an implication of this type of a worldview thinking is that history isn't cyclical. Sometimes we'll we'll make the joke the only thing we don't learn from history is to learn from history or something like that. And there's patterns in history. I don't I'm not discounting that. But we're not in some vicious circle of reincarnation. History is linear and it's moving towards something. It's moving toward God himself coming in the form of a man to set up a throne on this earth and make everything right. Thy kingdom come. These are the thoughts we think about. I'll give you one more thought. A Christian worldview can provide hope not just for the future. Oh, it'll all be better someday. It can provide hope for the now. Rather than looking at somebody who's struggling with trials and grief and loss and looking at them and saying, hey, I want you to know one day this will all be better. We have the blessed comfort found in scriptures that we can apply to their needs and watch God the Holy Spirit work. Again, uh, today's sort of a little bit different episode. I get it. Thanks for bearing with it. But as we talk about different topics here and there and worldview buzz topics, I wanted to have a place that I could just stop and park for maybe 20 minutes and say there's two anchor points we need in forming our worldview. And that gives us a context to talk about some of the things that are coming up later. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that gives you some food for thought. Uh, As always, if you found this to be helpful, I hope you'll share it with someone else. And I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Take care, guys.